0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 43. I'm Eric Fisher. We're coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery and Mean Your True Value studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. Joining me today, we have the full cast back. Ramsey Thompson, how you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. And via Zoom, finally back. Unfortunately, just kidding. It's Justin Dahl. Justin, how you doing, buddy?
1: Man, I'm so happy to be back. So happy to be talking to you guys. Uh, it's just been a just a wild time in life right now with coaching and my wife's coaching and all the other things that she's up to. Uh, I appreciate the uh, the the fans reaching out and and reaching out to me, telling me that I need to get back onto the show because the ratings are dropping. Um, so. I'm back. I'm back to pick this show back up, pick it up off the ground, make it great again. Kind of like America, making it great again. You know how that is. And, and so it's good to be talking to you boys.
0: All right, very good. So we have a couple pieces of business to go through before we get in the nature of the episode. As always, we always gotta start off with talking about our partners. Monkey Knife Fight. If you're not on Monkey Knife Fight by this point, I don't know what you're doing. It's its almost guaranteed money in your pocket anytime that there's a football game, or you know, playoff baseball going on. now. basketball going to be hitting up here soon, pretty quick. It, almost, you play the contest. You're not playing against you know, professional gamblers or whatever. You're playing against yourself. They set you, you know, pick three players. You're going to score a touchdown. Gets no simpler than that. I mean, you pick three guys. This week, if you know, if you're watching the Packer game, you know, usually is good for one. This week, he wasn't. You pick Randall Cobb, you pick, say, somebody like Aaron Jones. And then you pick Juju Smith, Schuster. This week you might have lost, you might have won, depending on how, you know, which, which uh, contest you bought in for. But you know, you pick Devonta Adams, you pick Aaron Jones, you got a pretty good shot right there most weeks. So basically free money in your pocket, play along, play the contest. Then our friends over at Raise Energy, Repsports.com, code R-O-O-T number four, 15% off any order. They had their apple juice box flavor come out. It was sold out within a handful of hours.
2: There is another flavor that is also coming out, and they have it under mystery lock and keys. We'll see what uh,
0: that is. So if you pay attention to their Instagram page, that's the best way to kind of follow along with them. I believe that will be coming out here within the next week or two. Uh, Next week it looks like. So follow along with them. They've got energy drinks. They've got nutrition supplements, sleep supplements, you name it protein instant cake it's all there it's a lifestyle join the raise rebellion and if you want 15 percent off your order repsports.com code root for with that we start off with what we always had started off the episode with that being what we had rooted for that's sponsored by fanatics fanatics.com show your love for your team whether you're on top of the world say like the Bay packers and milwaukee brewers milwaukee bucks or if you're a total dumpster fire like the Wisconsin Badgers have been recently. We don't talk about them on the show anymore. Justin's back. We, we, we discussed that real When Justin's back, we can talk about it. Justin can talk about that. We are not allowed to. It's fair. But whether you're on top of the world or at the basement, show your love for your team. Fanatics.com. Hashtag love on. Get your gear there. 300 plus powered stores. Justin, let's lead it off with you, buddy. What have you rooted
1: for over the last like six months that you've been gone? Oh, six months. Come on. Don't, don't dog me like that. Now, uh, what I rooted for, you know, there, there's a lot and I think I could go in general. I'll just start off a couple general things. You know, you're brewers, Eric, the brewers making the playoffs and, and kind of knowing what we were knowing, you know, since, since the middle of July that they were going to win the the central and they kind of tried to make it a little scary there at the end with all the losses they were racking up. But rooted for the Brewers. We're rooting for, for, uh, the Packers, you know, just the general stuff, the bucks preseason starting to kick off last night. Uh, and what was a weird game and, and, and I'm just excited, but you know, this is, this is one of the best times to be a sports fan because now it's season, 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 all kicking off. So I'm rooting for the sports fan that is a multiple sport fan.
0: Yeah. How about an update on the Jill Tigers football team? We talked, I talked about them last week. Uh, just talked about how proud I was of how far they've come kind of week in, week out and never giving up in games. Uh, did not get a chance to make this last week's game, nor will I this coming week. So why don't you give us an update on how they're doing and, and what you see on a day-to-day basis,
1: man, it's, it's exciting. Um, you know, we, we came out of, of the first quarter uh, Friday night in what was a weird situation. We were playing Sevastopol up at Gibraltar's high school. Sevastopol's getting a new football field that wasn't quite done. So we actually traveled further to play Sevastopol, which kind of stunk. But on the flip side, it's exciting. We come out of the first quarter, we're winning, uh our, our, quarterbacks have got over a hundred yards passing already, uh, 14, nothing and we're executing. And then, and then, uh, you know, some of the youth things and the inexperienced things started taking hold and we ended up losing the game, but, uh, it, it just goes to show how far our guys are coming, how hard they're working in practice, um, and, in the strides that we're making truly believing in what we as coaches are, are preaching and, 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 you know, for a little bit of the game applying before, you know, before you get tired, applying what we're, uh, what we're preaching on the practice field and applying it to the, to the, to the game field. Um, we did some great things, uh, excited. We took a, a a nice pass from quarterback to, to running back, uh, for 25 yard touchdown. And then, uh, our stud wide receiver had a 65 yard, five yard hitch that turned into a 65 yard touchdown. So defensively, we played great in the first quarter. You know, we just, we, we have those second quarter blues right now that are really, you know, kind of turning it around on us that we're hoping will change this week with homecoming week, boys. It's homecoming week. We play uh, oneida, NEW United which is, uh, it's a co-op. I believe that's in their third year. Uh, so, um, a couple of teams that are winless that, uh, you know, will duke it out on Friday night, uh, exciting. Uh, it will be seniors night. So I'm incredibly honored to, to be the head coach for my first senior night with, with four seniors that, uh, have really helped, uh, in the strides to change the program around and, and we we'll, We're working in the right direction. I do appreciate the uh, kind words that you boys have been saying about the program and noticing the hard work that's been going in. Uh, I do appreciate your hard work in in helping us get to where we want to go. The more the merrier. Uh, The people, you know, to build a program, it takes people. And, uh, you know, for you guys to be part of those people uh, is very important and, and it's truly appreciated.
0: Yeah, awesome stuff, and it, it's a pleasure. It's a privilege. Uh, I know I don't want to speak for Ramsey, but, yeah, no, Rod, enough of the, the fun, happy-go-lucky feelings. But, no, it, it's been, <laughs> it, it has been something special to see that group grow. So, awesome that you uh, that you get to be a part of it and you let us be a part of it. So, thank you on that front. Ramsey, what did you root for this last week? I guess the Packers.
2: I don't know. I really, like... Honestly, with the NASCAR just being rained out, that was my main plan for Sunday, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, a little bit of rain got in the way of that. So I don't know. I've just been so busy lately. I've basically been watching Packers, trying to watch some college football and NASCAR, and that's really about all the time I've really had
0: lately. So yeah, I'm gonna echo that. I mean, I I obviously rooting for the Packers, rooting for the Brewers this last weekend, but aside from our our local college football team that. We're not talking about right now. I really enjoyed the chaos that was Saturday. I mean, a lot of ranked teams going down, some big ranked teams uh, taking a fall and really just kind of showing, aside from Alabama and a couple other uh, you know, teams that are kind of more towards the top, a lot of parity this year. Uh, you have a two really deep, you know, outside of Ohio State even, you have two really big teams at the Big Ten, we're contending for a playoff spot right now between Ohio or excuse me um, Iowa and Penn State. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on. Then, obviously, it's my time of year. Uh, last night, I got to watch the Red Sox knock out the Yankees out of the playoffs. Uh, it's always a good day in America when the Yankees lose, especially when Boston gets to be the one to do it. Just the baseball history there, uh, second and none. And then just to chase Garrett Cole out of the game, not a big Garrett Cole fan, so they chased him out after two innings. So a lot of stuff to root for it. Uh, Ramsey and I, right now, we have the Cardinals-Dodger game. So, Devil Magic versus Money going on. And right now, the Devil Magic is winning out early on. So, we'll have this game on and kind of going back and forth. So, yeah, my time of year, too, like, kind of like Justin said. So, we go from positives to the negatives. And we go from the what we had rooted for to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week segment. And, Justin, I'll let you start this one off
1: first. Man, I am going to... Because I just had it in my brain, and then I went on the long rant about about the football team. So, I am going to You want uh, Ramsey to, to go first? My Let's, Ramsey, yeah, Ramsey, Ramsey got mad at me when I let
0: you go first. So, Ramsey, you go ahead. I was pissed,
2: actually. Uh, my nugget league is a big bangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, who got all butthurt, the Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. John Jim. 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 Jim's Jim. in Michigan. John. John's in Baltimore. John Harbaugh ran for a record. And Vic Vangio gets all butthurt hurt because he couldn't stop him. That's a terrible look, dude. Like you're a professional football coach. If they want to run for the first down on you, tell your defense to get their ass out there and stop them. Like, oh, I I just saw that. I'm like, God, that's such a weak move from a head coach. Like, don't complain that someone's running the score up on you. Stop them. That's what your job is. Your job is to your defensive minded coach get out there, stop Lamar Jackson. It's a pretty simple solution
0: to that issue. Fair enough. I'm going to stay in the NFL world myself. So, and we'll talk about this. I'm sure this is going to spark off a conversation. So I'm just, I'm just going to get my take out of here first before these two go at it because they've been ready to go at this. The entire game of the Buccaneers Patriots on Sunday night was just <laughs> a little something off, and it, it started with when Brady broke the record. And I know that you know the, all the hoopla was on. Are they going to pause the game? Or are they going to stop the game? Like, what are they going to do when he breaks the records? He only need 69 yards to break the record. Um, Al Michaels actually made a really funny joke to to me anyway. I laughed when he said, "Well, what if Tom Brady gets like 68 yards, ties the record? It gets 69 yards, breaks the record? Then the next play is like a screenplay that goes minus two. Are they going to stop the game? Honor Drew Brees, who's on the sideline for having the record, and then Tom Brady again? Like, what are they going to do?" And it didn't end up happening, so I was a little bit bummed about that, but. Just how the record got broken really kind of fit in that game, because they end up being it ended up being tied, and then they respot the ball and they move it up a yard. With, the Buccaneers need to call timeout. So then they flash the thing on the scoreboard. Then they respot the ball again. So it was just it was a whole debacle. Just there was, there wasn't going to be pomp and circumstance like when Drew Brees broke the record. That was also at home, but also like they totally botched that moment. Even for TV purposes, they just. They were in commercial, so they didn't have anything to do with it. It was just a total nightmare of a situation. Um, also, and I know you guys are going to talk about this too, but why in the hell is Bill Belichick kicking a field goal at the end of that game? Do you want me to tell you why? Go ahead.
2: Because Mac Jones isn't that good.
0: Head coach's go. Hold head. Hold on. Hold on. I, I'm, before you guys go off on this, the one other thing I want to go off on, with, just with the NFL as a whole, and luckily it didn't affect us here in Green Bay because we had the local game. Uh, you'll get it in a second Because I know that you guys are gonna go off on this longer. The rest of the country trying to watch America's game of the week on CBS, which would have been Packers Steelers, and they had that shit show. What was it? Jets? Was it Jets Dolphins or something like that? Whatever the Jets Titan, Jets Titans? Jets Titans. That game was the like overlapped the entire first quarter across the rest of the country, except in Green Bay, and except in Pittsburgh. What are you doing, CBS? What the hell
2: are you doing? No one cares about the Jets. No. Literally no one. And no one cares about Titans. No. So those are those are my two teams. Teams. Uh Ramsey, you were saying that Mac Jones is terrible. Go ahead. Not saying Mac Jones is terrible. I think Mac Jones is a service quarterback. I think Mac Jones... I, in all honesty, I thought New England was going to a playoff team this year. Mm-hmm. I thought Mac Jones is good enough to make a playoff push. I think Mac Jones is in the same category as... Um, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, probably even Derek Carr at this point, where as long as they have right pieces around them, they are talented enough. However, NFL coaches will tell you what they think of a certain player by what play calls they make, and that's exactly what Bill Belichick told you on Sunday night, not going for it on that fourth and what was it fourth and one, uh, fourth, and fourth and three. three. And, and you kick a 53 yard field goal with an injured kicker who hasn't made a 50 yard field goal since 2015 in not great weather. Right. Cause you can't trust Matt Jones to get you three yards. And like I said, am I a Matt Jones hater probably? And that's probably how it comes off. Cause I don't think he's overly talented. I think what you see is what you get. I think he throws an accurate ball. I think he throws, doesn't like really throw the ball downfield. He's very much, uh, you know, 15 and in guy, which is fine. There's tons of guys in the lead that made a career out of that. It's just that a lot of people came off that Tampa Bay-New England game going, wow, Mac Jones looked really good. And I came off it like, yeah, I would hope that you looked like that with Tampa Bay having three of their five defensive backs out and then their safety goes down. Yeah, I would hope you look good. I would hope that you could throw completions and not turn the ball over and – what we saw is what I would hope you could do as an NFL quarterback.
1: You could truly say that. And I could truly agree with you about the the secondary, but the fact of the matter is, is the front seven of what Tampa Bay's defense has carried them. It carried them to a championship last year and it's carried them to start the year this year. And it is what it is. It's the best front seven in football. So that didn't change. I disagree with that. And he weathered the storm. He weathered the storm very well. The fact is that he is the best quarterback to come out of the draft. I will stay by that. Uh, he has four games into it, and he's going toe-to-toe with uh, the GOAT of football. Forever, a six time. What is it, six time or seven time? Seven I can't time, Justin. Team. Seven time. Whatever. He won six in New England, didn't he? Yes. I'm sorry, but he went toe to toe with the guy. All right. You know, in 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 probably his biggest game that he will play in easily his first two years outside of playoffs. If they make it to the playoffs, this game was easy. It was Tom Brady's return. It was Tom Brady breaking the record. It was emotions all over the place. Think of the pressure that this guy was facing just by Tom Brady coming back. And I think he answered almost every call of the game. I do not agree with, with uh, the Belichick. You kick the field goal to win the game. If, the, if it doesn't go in, it doesn't go not in.
2: Now with 50 done that seconds left. Now 50 what? seconds th- three yards? All you had to do is get three yards. That's all you had to do. So why
1: do
0: you kick the field goal to win the game? I don't kick that field goal there. Eric, do you kick that field goal? Given the circumstances of having a kicker who has an injured plant leg, for 53 yards in shitty weather, probably not in that spot. If you get another first down, Sure. You know, if, if 53 to 43 yards is a big deal. Right. Even 53 to 48 is a big, is a deal. big deal. i I'd probably go for it personally, but that's just... I mean, the Patriots really, I mean, let's be real. That's Buffalo's division to lose. Well, right. They're playing basically get a wild card. So you need to steal a win no matter how you can. You have Tom Brady and the Buccaneers who have right. probably better weapons than you. I mean, that's not really up for debate, but you have better offensive weapons and two timeouts to go 75 yards. Not even, because if you kick the field goal, you need 40, if that. So I, I personally go on the side of at least run some clock, hopefully get a first down, run some clock, kick that field goal if you need to kick the field goal. But get in a little bit better position where you're a guy who, like I said, injured plant leg, shitty weather, not forced to fit, kick a 53-yard field goal.
2: Matt Jones today in the AFC is not better than Patrick Mahomes. He's not better than Justin Herbert. He's not better than Josh Allen. I mean, the book is still not written necessarily on Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. He's not better than Joe Burrow is. And honestly, out of the rookies that came out this past year, he probably landed in the best situation of the what was by it? far by far the best situation that is a uh, top that's an elite defense he has so he all he has to do is put up 20 points he puts up 20 points on sunday night he wins he can't put 20 points up i would give you the fact if you want to tell me that he doesn't have great offensive weapons that's fine he doesn't but, have any but new england can run the ball new england has a far superior with roster.
1: who they have what five running backs on the roster they can run the ball the, Any goddamn team has five running backs on the roster. What kind of point is that? They can run the ball.
2: They have an excellent offensive line. It's a, And honestly, it's the best coach team. With their best
1: really. offensive lineman that was out of the
2: game. So? what's That doesn't... So? You have your best offensive lineman that doesn't just give you a free pass to lose. I mean, that's not... Green Bay didn't do that.
1: All I'm saying is if... Whoa! Whoa! If, Mark that one though. He used Green Bay as the example. <laughs> if you, come on, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that you didn't go into that game thinking that Tom Brady was going to go in there and school those guys. And he didn't, and he walked into it and he answered the bell. He played for all four quarters tough against Tom Brady and the, and the defending champions. Give me a break, but you're he telling me that he call.
2: You're telling me that Matt Jones didn't go to the best situation.
1: Not offensively, not at all,
2: not at all. So you're going to tell me that you don't think getting the best coach of all time and probably the best coordinator in football isn't the best situation? No,
1: not with the personality. With with a top
2: 10 offensive line, top 15 offensive line. Like Trevor Wilson or Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are bailing water on their teams. And Trevor Lawrence on Thursday played pretty well. At least with Trevor Lawrence, you see some special. With Zach Wilson, you go, wow, that guy has special traits. I didn't traits. see anything
1: special out of Trevor Lawrence. What are you talking I about? I didn't see anything special out of him. Cincinnati ran a- the option? He ran the option for a touchdown from three yards out. That was not special.
2: Didn't turn the ball over? He- Trevor Lawrence has special moments
1: when you watch Trevor he's, Lawrence. He's throwing... Has he not thrown more interceptions than touchdowns this year?
2: Yeah. What does Trevor Lawrence have to work with? Urban Meyer, who's well, out with just, uh, random chicks at a bar. That is. I
1: would take the running game from Jacksonville, and I would take the receivers from Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, but I think over. You're, you're giving in, over New England. But that means you're saying you'd rather take Bill Belichick over Urban Meyer. I don't, I don't even know. That. I don't even know who their offensive coordinator is there. And you would rather take Jacksonville's defense. Bevel. You'd rather take Jacksonville's defense over New England's defense? Sure. Trevor Lawrence might have a few more weapons, but that offensive line's not as good. And honestly, in football today, the offensive line is more important than the weapons you have on the outside. Look at the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes was bailing water against Tampa Bay because and he has the best weapons in football, but he didn't have any time to throw the ball. So all of a sudden your weapons don't so you make- matter.
1: So you just made my point for me, is what you're telling me. Because <laughs> I literally just said that the front seven of Tampa Bay He did in say my
2: estimation that's, was the
1: best seven that's a wrong. In faith, football. Though.
2: They're not the best seven. Washington's just as good. Ooh, Cleveland is better.
1: No way. Yes, Cleveland. No way. Cleveland
2: is the best defense in the league right now. By far. Yes, Cleveland's better. So is Buffalo. Agree. Buffalo's a better front seven. I think no, come on. Give me a break. You, we're, <laughs> we're giving this credit to New England, or Tampa Bay right now for what they did last year, not what they've done so far this year. Right? Gone three and one? Sure, but their defense hasn't played overly well in any game they've had this year. They're going to be three and one, but again, that's a lot of magic by Tom Brady playing extremely well. Like, Tampa Bay's offense Score has Scoring 19 points? okay in shitty weather in new england on a game that has a lot more distractions than what any other game would have and you're telling me that mac jones is something special mac jones couldn't put up 20 you can't put you
1: just said tom brady was special you just (laughs) said tom brady was special up in that weather and then Mac Jones wasn't because Mac Jones played him. I don't think.
2: Up. I don't think I ever said or Tom. Br- I don't think. Are you I,
1: kidding me? I don't
2: think I ever said Tom Brady was special on. on Sunday. Did I? Did I say Tom Brady was special on Sunday? No, I said Tom Brady played well. But not Tom Brady wasn't special on Sunday. No. The fact of the matter is Mac Jones is going to be an average quarterback. That's what he is. He's not. There's
1: the fact. Of where's he going to go? Mac Jones is going to be the best quarterback to come out of this draft. I said it back in April and I'm sticking to it. Now you said that Justin Herbert was going to suck when he I got did. drafted. I was completely wrong. wrong. Justin Herbert.
0: So let me, I just want to so ask the,
1: one question. The here evidence forward. speaks for itself. Eric. I'm right. Ramsey's wrong. Funito. You, right. You're telling the me straight, that oh, Mac
2: Jones know, is better than Kirk Cousins.
0: <laughs> yes. He will be. So our, our, our just just to clarify, then we'll go on to the next thing here, Justin. When you say better, do you mean better statistically or more success like Super Bowls, championship playoff appearances, etc.? Both. Then who, Kirk Cousins? But just in general. When you say
1: that Mac Jones is going to be the best quarterback of this rookie class, is it – He will have – he will have the highest win percentage regular season and he will win more playoff games than any quarterback out of this draft class.
2: All right. He's in have a career. A, he's gonna have to throw the ball more than fifteen yards downfield then too.
1: Just just he'll throw he hasn't so he'll far. He'll throw this year. deep to all those shitty receivers he has. He hasn't thrown forever deep, and ever.
2: Hasn't thrown deep all season. It, he actually has the lowest. Percent it, his, over best 15, rece-
1: his best receiver was the third option for San Francisco last year in which has a quarterback that was drafted this year ahead of him that doesn't play. Just saying. All right. So His best receiver is the third option. Everybody yeah, else is the best coach in the league. I will not I, I argue that. All right, I I, I I totally agree with you on that one. <laughs> so just one,
0: two quick things here. Um, one, Urban Meyer, <laughs> definite Nugget of the Week as well. Throw him on this whole thing too. And also, I don't know who it was, but the guy at the Green Bay Distillery on Sunday who had a Kevin King jersey on, I'd add that in too. I know I said Snapchat to both of you guys. Who buys a Kevin King jersey and then wears it in public?
2: You know, I was talking to That's... one of our wonderful sponsors about that. And Mitch himself has a Kevin King jersey that he's going to bring to the next game to try to sell the Kevin King jersey. Just I wish we, him the best of luck. Just because we were, we were talking
1: about the Kevin King fiasco. That's a, that's a mistake of a buy four years ago, and somehow it's still in your closet. There's a reason.
2: It's still, well, it's still in the closet because he bought it four years ago, and no one would want to buy it. Yeah. That's that's the issue.
0: Fanatics. It's, yeah, it's been on. Fanatics
1: and... got that guy. Yeah, he, they got fifty bucks off of that guy. Yeah. fifty bucks. All right, Justin,
0: <laughs> your nugget of the week. We haven't gotten you yet.
1: Here we are, twenty some minutes. My nugget of the week is, and we'll and we'll get and we'll get to uh, it down the road in our Badger report. But my nugget of the week is, is the absolute horrible, horrible timing of the Badgers announcing a. Pay raise for one Paul Chris. Oh my! God. As the head coach of the Pack or the Badgers, um, he received an I believe it was a nine hundred thousand or an eight hundred thousand dollar base pay raise, um, and then another hundred thousand dollars in private funds from boosters or clubs or whatever. What? Um. He is now getting paid $5.25 million a year. Paul Christ? That that gives him currently the fourth highest or fifth highest salary within the Big, Big Ten. So the timing of it, as you're one and three, you've played three ranked teams, you've had a real chance in any other year of which the Badgers have been decently good outside of last year in 2018 to really solidify yourself as a top five team. And this looks especially horrible when your arch rival in Iowa is getting ready to play a top five matchup and is ranked uh, number three in the nation right now. So uh, the timing of the announcement of this race now, Let me backtrack. This is a prorated thing. So this is within the contract that, you know, was signed whenever he got an extension, however long ago. And on the flip side, during the pandemic, he did take a pay cut. I believe it was 15%. Um, So these are things that have happened. So to flip it around, but just... To me, the announcement and the timing of when this is all happening, when he is firmly planting himself on the hot seat of coaching, um, is just a bad look for Badgers, Badgers fans everywhere.
2: Shouldn't he be on the hot seat already? Though, like not going on the hot seat, he has to be on the hot seat by now, right? That team mm-hmm. has been an Definite. utter
1: disgrace to football the last definitely four weeks and I, in his, in his, in his last 11 games. Now here's a stat for you in his last 11 games. He's five and six. Um, he, that is, is, is purely simply not good enough. Uh, not winning the West in the big 10 when you're Wisconsin, the perennial power is not good enough. Let alone being under 500 within two seasons, um, he is 0 in 8 in his last eight against top 25 ranked teams. There is some some bad juju going around the system, uh, and and things are not looking in the right direction. And we'll get deeper into why don't we do that right what now, I Justin? Think. Yeah,
2: just go on the Badger Report right now. Badger Report, Justin Dahl. Okay report.
1: All right. So, one of the, ma- the major problems for me is, uh, you know, the big, the big hot topic, the big talking point is about how bad Graham Mertz has been playing. Is that, that that's correct? I, you boys are seeing that consensus by yourselves. Yeah. I easily. Yeah. Okay. The problem for me is how bad this offensive line is. The problem for me, and it has been for the last two or three years now, is how bad Joe Rudolph is at his at his um, job. Joe Rudolph, if you if you boys remember, two years ago or a year ago, was the offensive coordinator. Yes, where I remember talked about at length on this show. Paul Chris is yeah. taken taking back the play calling duties now. Joe Rudolph is still offensive coordinator, but without play calling duties, but more significantly, he is the offensive line coach. Um, The last time Wisconsin's offensive line was special was when their current linebackers coach, Bob Bostad was their offensive line coach. This is mainly what is leaving Badger fans with a, a salty taste in their mouth. We are, As uh, Paul Christ is trying to fit a round peg through a square hole in, in keeping his buddy on staff and getting him hopefully a head coaching job down the road. There are some terrible decisions that have been made on that offensive line, including center where you have a senior in Caden Lyles, who was on the preseason Remington watch got beat out by a four-star sophomore that was a tackle. You have a former walk-on in Josh Seltzner at left guard. You have a four-star left tackle in Tyler Beach who has continuously gotten blown, blown right over, um, they continuously don't know what they're doing. They don't know where their blocks are. There are plays where you can see that whole left side of the line is lost. Um, You have five stars and four stars littered across the depth chart of that offensive line. If the Badgers are going to fix their problems, they are going to fix it with the offensive line for me. Um, The one bright spot is how great our defense is locked. And, and simply, for the Badgers to succeed, they need to run the ball and keep our defense off the field and, when, and own the clock. That is how that system of Paul Christ has worked for however long. It's not working right now. I believe they're not playing their best running back. Jalen Berger was clearly the best running back is clearly the best running back today runs the ball the best they are again fitting a round peg through a square hole in enforcing the clemson transfer ches malusi in, into the starting job in in carrying the ball 20, 20 times when he is clearly the change of pace back that should be the backup guy so, so i i have no clue what what is happening whether it's we are overthinking things or if we're over-promising things to our prospects, that if they do not pull through with these promises, they're just going to lose people and our recruiting is going to go downhill. I, I'm assuming by the way it looks, we are overpromising to our prospects right now and and it's 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 gone downhill all the way and and rightfully so Paul christ is firmly on the hot seat amongst badger fans
0: see I'm really glad you bring up the offensive line with this badger group because it doesn't take i mean it's it's so easy to blame the quarterback and you know and Graham Merc has not done himself any favors until this last week and and the reality of the situation though is the reason he's not succeeding right now, whereas the reasons that he did so early on in his tenure was that you had such a great balance of running the ball, allowing the passing game to open up for him, get him in rhythm, go from there. And when you're Wisconsin, you're supposed to be line, you know, lineman you, running back you, and you've got a guy, you know, you got Malusi who can't get, you know, whatever, Berger who can't get in the game for whatever reason or another. It's just, you see it week after week, of just how frustrating and maddeningly inconsistent the team can be. And then you finally even kind of get it cooking with Mertz a little bit. And then there's flashes of what made him such a special prospect um, in this last game here against Michigan. You saw it in that second quarter. You saw it. And it was really looking like it was coming back. He hit that pass to Ferguson over the middle. Um, I believe they ended up settling for a field goal that drive. But even the even the drive before they go to Shamari DK for the touchdown, you saw the flashes. You saw it kind of coming back. You saw him getting in rhythm. And really, I mean, I think he just kind of hit the F it button and realized I've got an arm that is better than what I've been playing. He built up some confidence. He started slinging the ball instead of you know overthinking it. But at the same time, he actually had t- he had time in the pocket for a little bit. I mean, he took some big hits on the touchdown drive to DK. I think that's what kind of gets forgotten about. Uh, just due to the fact that he got injured, but he was taking hits and kind of having to force the ball at times, too. And it's so easy, like I said, easy to blame the quarterback, but there's a lot of bigger factors that lead to quarterback play being less than subpar at times, too.
2: Well, I think the thing with Graham is well, I- that he, in my opinion, has never really looked that comfortable since he's got back from COVID. He, he always seems kind of...
0: Does, it, does he look a little lost? Do you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem... But if you remember correctly, though, too, when he came back from COVID, is when they stopped being able to run the ball, they started relying way too much on his arm, allowed defenses to just load up and zone, and then he took a lot of hits last year, too. But, and that kind of goes back to that lineman issue that we were just discussing.
2: It just seems like he's just never been comfortable. Like, he never seems to have... Like oh yeah I'm the five star recruit <clears throat> that's coming here to win football games. It seems always just kind of like a little bit lost. He's forcing it. It's what it is. Yeah, and it's it's a shame too, because I don't think he did himself any or he hasn't done so. You said any favors either, but when you come as hyped as he was into the program, and then have kind of just laid some eggs. I'm sure there's a ton of pressure on him too, as a 20 year old kid. And I can only imagine what that's like.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things I would love to touch base with on that is that um, he is a work in progress. The, the high school that he came out of, he was primarily just a shotgun spread offense type of quarterback slinging all over the field type of deal. Uh, He didn't really run option out of it. I mean, options were plays, but he wasn't a running quarterback per se. Um, And almost every snap he took was out of shotgun. So to change your whole system, to start working from under center, start being able to read things and, and set at the top of your drop back, and go through a progression as fast as you need to, especially with how bad that offensive line is played. But um, it it speaks to the ability to coach. Uh, I think Paul Christ is overrated as a quote unquote quarterback guru. Uh, I think he gets far too much credit for his time when Russell Wilson was here. that was really the only main successful guy that that made it to the NFL for Paul Christ. I mean, you could talk about John Stock or Scott Tolsey, but that's not, you know, they made it. They they weren't superstars, and, and Packer fans will know Scott Tolsey, maybe, uh, from his time here. I am, I think that we are just so far lost on the offensive line as to where you're over promising some guys and it needs to change. Uh, I think, I think for sure uh, if it doesn't happen in the middle of the year, it's probably going to happen at the end of the year. Um, Joe Rudolph will be gone. Um, there's a lot of question marks on the outside of what's happening. Nobody really knows why uh, money talks apparently, but we have lost a lot of assistant coaches over the last year or two years. Um, And there's a reason why nobody has picked up Joe Rudolph. Um, We had our quarterbacks coach, our defensive line coach, our linebackers coach, our running back coach. And now we have a new secondary coach. So that's five new coaches within two years. Um, Our wide receivers coach, six coaches. And then some of our recruiting coordinators, the the unsung heroes, have all switched or left. Something is happening within the program. I don't want to say it's like the basketball program because I, I guarantee it's not like that. But something is happening within the program that people are leaving and fleeing for greener pastures instead of more secure jobs. So I don't this is why I think Paul Christ is squarely on the hot seat. When you're Wisconsin, you're perennially a top 15 team that recruits within the top 30 almost every year. You are not going to get away with being five and six. Can you? I'm just put it in perspective. When we had Anderson as our coach for the two years, he went 10 and 3, 10 and 3, or something like that. If you can imagine, if he were still our head coach, and I told you that in his first 11 games as head coach of the Badgers, he was 5 and 6, where would we be as fans? Right now, absolutely irate. Well, I think people are absolutely alright with Paul Chris. It's just,
2: I don't know. It's it's ridiculous how the standard has kind of changed for the Badgers. You know that it, again, like you've been saying, they're they've been a top thirty recruiting class for the last forever. I mean, they, they always are in the top thirty, and the fact that we are now at
0: what do you say Paul Chris was in the last eight games. 0-8 against top 25 teams, 5-6 out of the last 11. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's just
2: ridiculous. It's ridiculous that it's even got this far. Because it it's one of those things in college football where it goes away fast. Like, if you're not on national televised games and you're not looking good on TV, recruits don't go to your school. And it's, 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 it's
0: almost scary where this program looks like it's headed. Potentially going. I mean, we talked, we talked at the start of the season, Ramsey, about how this team was a year or two away from being a national title contender. Yep. On paper, and just how quick that could just snap away. And Justin, before we kind of move on here, I just want to ask one thing. You know, as a football coach, and obviously at a way different level, given the offensive line pro- problems and also just the the quarterback that they have with Graham Mertz if he's playing. To me, and somebody pointed this out on Sunday, and this is why I'm probably even thinking of it, wouldn't it almost be more beneficial to kind of ditch the under center looks right now, go to pistol, go to shotgun formations, just to give Graham a little bit of time to kind of get comfortable, set up a pocket around him so he doesn't have to take that drop back? Am I wrong in that?
1: You, you aren't wrong in that, but you are wrong in the sense that it's the type of running back you also have. It's the type of tight ends that you also have. You you have to remember that everything outside of what Graham Mertz is has been recruited for One Direction. It's not everything. We, yes, Graham Mertz is the centerpiece, but it's very hard to fit 80 people within four years around one guy. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, I do. Your running but- back Chesma your, your running back Lucy, is is not a burner. He's not a, a a guy that gets through the hole fast. You know, Jonathan Taylor was a burner, but Jonathan Taylor did not get through the hole very fast. He read and he got through. You know, Malusi is a little bit of a mix of. Old school Wisconsin running back that's, you know, 240 pounds. But and new school guy who, who kind of bursts through the hole, you know. So I do not think that they're set up very well, deep enough to run out of shotgun. And then it takes probably one of your best offensive players in the fullback off the field a lot, too. So, okay. Fair enough. I, I, right. I, I agreed to a point. It's just, you know, you're not, you can't do that all game. Fair enough. All right. So we move on to Ramsey's radar and Rams not a great week
0: for you last week. No, I know. I looked at my, uh, proposals and
2: I'm like, Oh yeah. So what do you got for us this week? I don't got much to be honest with you guys. It's, uh, I mean, NASCAR brought the Roval. It should, that should be interesting at least um, you Got a winner prediction for us. Chase Elliott is okay. probably going to win. And he's nine points above, so it's not necessarily a must-win for him because he is above the cut line right now. However, he's due. He's due to get one, and he's run really well at the Roval the last, what, they've been there two or three years
0: now. So I, I think Chase Elliott's going to be someone to mess with on Sunday. All right, so that's Rams' radar. And that takes us into what's brewing. And... I've been, i I I kind of I'm glad Justin actually wanted to kind of transition from Badgers to or you know, Noogie to Badger Report because I kind of want to actually make this like the last before we talk about the Packers too. It's playoff time, boys. Really, the, I would have never guessed that the NLDS kicks off Friday afternoon in Milwaukee. First game of the day, it'll be the Brewers and the Braves. Brandon Woodruff takes the start or takes the mound. No, uh, Corbin Burns takes the mound for Game One be squaring up against Charlie Morton from the Braves, two of your better pitchers in the last two years. <coughs> I'm so excited for this postseason, what this could be for the Brewers. Um, I'm a little, I mean, I could have easily made the, my Nugget of the week, Devin Williams, for breaking his hand and punching a wall and puts him out of playoff contention till probably about the World Series if they would get there. But I'm not even letting that derail me right now. Just with how deep the bullpen is, And how good your starting pitchers are right now. I'm really riding high. I think this should be a... No series is a given. But this should be a pretty quick series. I'm thinking probably three or four for the Brewers. Uh, Get this thing done. Get it taken care of. And move on to looking if you have to go out west. Or see if you're hosting St. Louis. Or, well, they wouldn't be hosting the Dodgers. But, no, they would be. They would be because of seating. So... Take care of business against the Braves. Um, Really, there's no reason to kind of falter with this Brewers team right now. Got a lot of guys healthy in the last week or two. Uh, Got a lot of things sorted out. Get a lot of guys some rest who needed it, who pitched a lot of innings, played a lot of innings. It's time. Christian Yelich posted on Instagram uh, the other day, 162 games down. Season starts now. That's really the mentality of this Milwaukee team. (laughs) They've really been kind of built for a postseason success that really they haven't had really since 2018, but in the the issues they had in 2018 where they didn't have deep starting pitching. They fixed a lot of that now. These guys grew up, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, the guys who were coming out of the bullpen back then. They've emerged into full-fledged starters. They have Josh Hader at the back, and they have guys that they can go to for an inning or two here if need be. They've got the bats. They've got... Escobar healthy. They've got Adamas healthy. Yelich has been kind of tearing the cover off the ball when he's been playing the last two weeks. He's kind of finding it again. Really, there's no reason not to be excited about this Brewers team right now. And I, I'm going to go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. No, you're going
1: to I was going to say, if they get lucky enough to win the series against the Braves, they need to get the Giants. They cannot face uh, either the Dodgers or the St. Louis Cardinals right now, because both teams now the Dodgers, a little more history relevant uh, as a po- in, in post play have their number and St. Louis uh, coming down the stretch really took it to, to Milwaukee. So I do not want to see either one of these teams. If the Dod- or if the Brewers are going to make it to the series, they need to get the Giants in the championship series.
0: See, I, I get the thinking of that. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, um, especially just considering that the recent history is kind of ruining just how dominant Milwaukee was all season when they already had the division wrapped up. Um, they didn't have that same intensity that they needed to at that time. Um, and Colton Wong actually really talked about it, and Craig Council talked about it too, but Colton Wong really said it best on Sunday uh, when a lot of critics were talking about, you know, the possibility of kind of limping into the playoffs and that last week or two of kind of slumping, if you will. Um, he said simply, that, you know, that this is a team that shows that we clinched early. They looked around. They didn't really have a, you know, they weren't playing for the best record in baseball. They've, their seating was locked in at two. Um, they got, like I said, a chance to rest those guys. So I'm not really too, too worried about that. Uh, the numbers do show this season that they did handle the Cardinals pretty well as a whole throughout the year, obviously not this last month. And then that the Dodgers, they ended up, uh, losing the season series four to three. However, coming into the final weekend, they were three and one and again, playing for nothing versus the team that's playing for a division, which also had the number one seed in all of the playoffs on the line. I'm not too worried about it in that sense either. Um, you saw a lot of difference. I mean, both or all three <coughs> games we played against the Dodgers this weekend were limited innings for pitching staff, limited innings for, you know, guys like Yelich, uh, Adamas, Colton Wong, uh, Lorenzo Kane. a lot of limited work there too. Um, they were in every single game too. So in that sense, I'm not really worried about dropping a three game set to the Dodgers either. Uh, I know that they've kind of got that monkey in the back, but to be, to get to the World Series, to get that first championship, you got to beat them all anyway. Kind of got to break some curses the way it is. So why not the Dodgers too?
1: Because the Giant, uh, the Giants outside of the Braves are the weakest team, in, in my estimation. When you go to a one-game set or a five-game set, I would rather play the Giants than either of those two.
0: Well, teams. if they get to the, if they get past the Braves, it goes to a seven-game set.
1: Which, or that's what I mean. You know
0: what I mean. But either way, I, I do largely agree with you in that in that front. But the the Giants have just had that. Really, I mean, at some point you think maybe that momentum is going to run out, but because the Dodgers are more talented than them, I you know on paper the Cardinals are probably more talented than them on paper. The Brewers are without a doubt more talented than them on paper. I'd even argue that before Acuna's injury with the Braves, that they're more talented on paper. So. Just, you know, it was a special year for San Francisco. I would probably agree with you that of the the five teams still standing, it probably, if you're looking at just the roster and the individuals, um, not necessarily the team dynamic right now and just how the season went, I would probably rank them Dodgers, Brewers, Braves, Cardinals, or Giants, Cardinals, some in some that aspect there. But I, I'd probably agree with you on that. Ramsey? Just enjoy the ride.
2: Uh, just like anything else, like with the Bucks, big playoff pushes from the Brewers haven't traditionally happened a lot the last 20 years. So ever, ever. Just make sure to watch the games, enjoy the games, make sure that it's something that, you know, it's kind of a special time for Wisconsin sports right now where we're at a – we have an NBA champion in Milwaukee. We have a division-winning baseball club. baseball club, and we have a Packer team who looks – like they're onto something. So um, just enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy it because it's not necessarily going to be like that forever. So,
1: yeah. So Ramsey, I got a question for you. There's one question for you, Ramsey. Oh, boy. <laughs> out, of, out of the, the what is it, 10 teams. It'd be nine teams technically right are- now because the Yankees got bounced last night. Oh, Okay. Oh, well, anyways, out of the 10 teams that made the playoffs. If I would have asked you back in May, how many of those teams would have surprised you that they made the playoffs?
0: Do you want to know? Do you want me to run through the list for you? Yes. Okay. National League, Giants, Dodgers, Brewers, Cardinals, Braves. I wouldn't say any of those would surprise me. As a
2: casual baseball fan, I'm familiar with all those teams, I guess. So, just
0: uh, I'll, I'll American League. Can I answer a quick, Justin? Yeah. The Giants were a massive surprise this year. But the, so, the Giants though have been traditionally good. Traditionally speaking. They're a big speaking, market. Big they're a big market, yeah. Traditionally
2: speaking, they're a decent team. So, if you if you told me back in the spring that they were going to make the playoffs, that wouldn't surprise me, no.
0: Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. So, the American League. White Sox... Astros, Red Sox, Yankees, Rays. Probably the White
2: Sox. Okay. Again, traditionally speaking, they're not necessarily
1: a huge baseball power. So two out of ten. For, for a yeah, very casual two. baseball fan, yeah, sure. yeah. That's that's that that's what's wrong with baseball, right there, Eric. Uh, Think about that. Uh, A casual baseball fan could have told you who was going to make the—a casual could have told you who was going to make the playoffs back in May. I will defend baseball on
2: this, where that's not—there's no true real parity left in sports. With how much people have access to teams and how much every sport is studied— even this year in the NFL, there's only, what, 10 teams that are probably actual Super Bowl contenders? I don't Probably not even 10, probably closer to six or seven.
1: Well, if you say 10, that's a third of the league. Uh, contenders. now. P- I, I, I don't think you'd look at, at, out of these 10, out of these 10 teams that made the playoffs, how many do you think are real actual playoff, uh, World Series contenders? Do you think all 10? In baseball? Eric? Do I think all ten? Yeah, all ten? Yeah. No,
0: I. Well, the American League is kind of a wild card, so I, I can't even say that. So, the National League, I think it really comes down to Giants, Dodgers, Brewers. Um, I think Atlanta gets bounced here pretty quickly, and, and if St. Louis ends up winning tonight, which as of right now through four they are up one nothing. I don't see them beating <clears throat> the the Giants, but if they do, I don't see them getting past the Brewers. So. I, I really think that's your three there, and then the American League. Like I said the American League is so wide open because you have Chicago, who was so quiet all year because they played in such a crappy division. Uh, kind of the same thing. I mean, Houston got a little bit of pressure at the end between the Mariners and um, the A's. I mean, then the Rays. The Rays are so kind of in that same position as Milwaukee, where they're the smallest team, and especially in that division where. The teams that were contending, and that, you know, Boston ends up beating the Yankees in that wild card game, but you had the the Blue Jays, who were basically a day away from getting a playoff spot, you have the Red Sox, who kind of snuck in, but are still one of those top teams, and then you have the Yankees, who kind of in that same Dodgers mentality just spend to get to the playoffs, so... if of the American League teams, I mean, Houston's got the track record and the the pedigree with it, even though it may, for some, be tainted. Um, the White Sox are kind of a a sleeper, sneaky pick, but I don't, you know, I don't necessarily trust them right now either. And then the Rays were in the World Series last year, but just again another quiet year where they, you know, you really don't have too many superstars in that team, but just a lot of guys playing really good baseball. Um, I'd, I'd probably say there's six of ten. Okay. And but that also, that also, just also, just my mentality speaking here, because the wildcard games only a one game shootout. I mean, for all intents and purposes, there's eight. So six of the eight teams I would say are, for sure, having a chance. But that's that's how it is in every
1: sport. Okay. Though.
2: Even the NFL, there's probably only eight teams that can actually a Super Bowl this year. And I don't even know if it's eight. Like I mean. In the NFC, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the Rams. And if you wanted to say hey, the Cardinals are hot right now, so maybe the Cardinals. The AFC is okay. probably Kansas City, Baltimore, Buffalo right now. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, probably number four. So there's probably eight in the NFL too. NBA is three or four probably. I mean, so in general, sports doesn't have necessarily a whole lot of parity right now. I mean – that's, That's just bad. kind of how it is. I, I,
1: just, I think it's I think it's bad for sport. For for that just kind of just that short little topic. One last question for you, Eric, on baseball talk, and then we can move on to your beloved Packers. All right, sounds good. One last one. Here we go. The best manager in the playoffs, who is it? Unbiasedly, I honestly gotta say Kurt
0: Console. Um, Craig Council has such a way... He doesn't have a World Series. Doesn't matter. Craig Council... What? Hold on. Craig Council has done so little, or so much with so little the last three years to get to this point where he's built this team to where they are now with this pitching staff to develop these guys. Like I said, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta... Uh, Hauser and Stretches, even take a look at the guys last year, like Lauer who struggled and was optioned out um, to the alternate training set at times last year. Craig Council takes a lot of, you know, some in the smallest market in baseball, has had four straight playoff appearances, has managed the pitching staff so incredibly well. I really can't, I mean, I I really unbiasedly have to give it to him. That he is probably the best one of the best managers in all of baseball, let alone the playoffs right now. And there's not a in especially in these short, you know, five game series, seven game series, where it's a chess match and a half, I'll take Craig Council for anybody playing right now. He has zero rings. As a coach, yeah. Or as a manager, sure. He's got a championship pedigree, he won two as a player. I'll say, like I said, he just—he has a special doesn't way. Doesn't
2: the manager from the Giants have three or four? No,
0: he's—he's he's not
1: managing anymore. No. No. You're thinking of Bruce Bochy.
2: Isn't the guy from the White Sox? Doesn't he have two or three now too? Larusa had
0: Tony Larusa. He had a couple, but he's—he's he's older. He's not exactly. So I what does
1: that mean? What does
0: that mean? I hate Tony Larusa, by the way. Tony La Russa. He's a nerd, dude. Tony is Tony Larusa hasn't found his groove with this team. As it, if you looked at the track record, I'm sure, Larusa is special. I don't think he has it figured out with this team yet. So, taking it where it is in twenty twenty one, I wouldn't put LaRusso over council. I'd the, say maybe Alex Cora.
2: What about the manager from Houston, in Dave home. Roberts? What about the one from the Dodgers, who won a World Series last year? I don't Dusty think he's that great of a manager. At this point. Well, I, these guys all have no. rings, though. That's a different conversation than where Craig Council's at. If Craig Council gets one, sure, maybe. But
0: he's never been to a World Series as a good manager. Like I said, I would take him. Manager versus manager, I would take Ooh. Craig Council almost any day. Who do you take, Ramsey?
1: Who do you take? None of them. Oh. Say, hey, baseball, that's a bomb. Oh, Turner goes yard. I would. The oh. only one I would maybe kind of...
0: Uh, that I would probably maybe give a nod Dave Roberts is special Alex Carr is special the guy from Boston those are the only two I would put in those are the only two I would probably put in that conversation but chess match versus chess match if they had like neutral teams like the same team they were playing against I would take Craig Council every single day
1: isn't that what the playoffs is
0: well I mean you still have a talent disparity but if you had the same team playing against each other and just different managers I would say Craig Council every day (coughs)
1: Uh, don't get me wrong. I think Craig is a great manager. I just don't know that he's the best manager in the playoffs. Anyways, we can move on. I just wanted to – you're the baseball guy. You're the baseball nerd, so let's, let's just take you at your word and move on with it, I guess. All right. Even though he's not the best manager in the playoffs. Well,
0: whatever. We'll see. We'll see. So with <laughs> – with that, um, we can talk some Green Bay Packers. We haven't really touched on them much this episode, and and you know just ah. some really good stuff going on down out in Green Bay or here in Green Bay, I should say. For for uh, I hate Brandon Justin
1: Green. Turner so bad.
0: I love Justin Turner. That beard is immaculate.
1: Oh, I hate what a stallion. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Eric. We we just cannot move off this baseball talk. For our fans that are listening to us, we're watching the game. And Justin Turner just went yard to uh tie the game, tie the one game one. up one to one in the fourth. Just hit a bomb. But Justin Turner, Justin Turner was a playoff record for the Brewers, what, two years ago? Yeah. Three years Three ago years, or 2018. two years
0: ago. Twenty eighteen.
1: Ever since, ever since that and then he spurned the Brewers because he was a hot topic to sign with the Brewers this year, wasn't he? He was. It was right before they signed Colton Wong. I hate I hate I hate Justin Turner so bad. I hate him. He reminds me a lot of Ramsey's beard.
0: Well, the thing I with Justin that. Turner and I, I that makes me—it's—I don't really I hate his really,
1: beard. You can hate me; it's fine.
0: That really kind of the reason no, I, I really want to see a Dodgers Brewers NLCS would just be the the fact that Justin Turner, when he signed with LA, said, "Why would I go to Milwaukee?" Or something like, why would I go to Milwaukee? They're not like a rivalry. Something stupid like that. And I want to see him like have to eat it and watch his pitching staff strike him out time after time again when it would matter. So, um, I'm like I said, it took,
1: Oh, my God. I hate him. God, stop showing him.
0: I, I Anyways, don't hate him. Right. He's not my most hated player in this game right now. I hate Yadier Molina with all my passion. but um, oh, so that's, I kind of like Yad. He's the guy that fights people, isn't he? He he tries yeah, to he pretends to fight got, people. He's a he's a wannabe he's tough guy. He's got neck
1: tattoos and stuff. No, he he he's awesome. is a tough guy. He does he fight people. He's not a tough guy. Yeah, he fights so He's got soft. neck tattoos. You can't mess with a guy who has neck tattoos. You ever. can if he doesn't do a damn thing about it. He's just soft. He talks. He's, he's he... the baddest catcher in the in the
0: world. And he's been doing it forever too, hasn't he? Yeah. I, yeah. The,
1: the, he yeah he's been there forever. So anyway, the, only, the second baddest guy is a guy named Yasmani. Yeah, Yasmani right. Grandal, former Brewer, now playing when with the White When you have Sox. a name, Yasmani, you're the second baddest dude next to the neck tattoo guy. All right. So, Greenwood Packers, hey?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Greenwood Packers. Uh, beat the Steelers 27-17. Uh, really just kind of a garbage touchdown at the end for the Steelers. But a game that was never really in doubt on Sunday, I mean – Pittsburgh goes down, marches that first drive down the field, kind of gets a gets away with the push off on Jair, but really after that point, I mean, Big Ben isn't really Big Ben right now. Well, it. Big Ben. What do you mean, right so now? He hasn't been the Big the Ben for yeah. the last well, right four years. Outside of the first what, like four or five weeks last year,
2: maybe, <sighs> maybe. I I mean,
1: his last decent year was just the decision making. The decision making was so bad. Like when you're on third and long, or or not third and long, but third and in, in medium or fourth and short, and, and the throws and the decisions that he was making are just mind boggling. That did not seem like Big Ben. Like like did not trust himself in 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 his arm strength to. Push the ball down the field, Ramsey. Do you feel the same way about that? Well, there's a, there was two or three points that Pittsburgh had
2: fourth down, fourth and medium, fourth and shorts, right? Mm-hmm. And Big Ben didn't throw past the first down marker, and not right. like not past
0: it, not even to it. Like he was throwing well behind the first down marker. I think the most notable one in six. It's actually the play that Jair Alexander gets hurt on. Where he doesn't even throw past the line of scrimmage. It was fourth and three, fourth and four, yeah, something and like he that. He throws out to the flat. Like, what are you doing? I mean, well, and and just with him, I mean, it's just I don't know if it was the weather conditions. You saw Aaron miss on some throws too, but he wasn't close on half. As anytime he looked at Juju, wasn't close. How frustrating, especially that one. Uh, what right at the end of the.
2: Oh, he second, was wide he just open. Overthrew through. him by. Right. Man, that was a touchdown, too. And that... If, you know, Juju scores that touchdown, I think it might be a little bit different in a game, too. Oh, yeah. That was uh, that was kind of the turning point, in my opinion, overall, was that when he overthrows Juju and they've settled for a field goal, that's... That's
0: Well, tough, the, the turning point of the game was the... the offsides that may or may not have been that Minka Fats, Fitzpatrick took back for six. How good is Minka Fitzpatrick, too? And then... Gets called back for the offsides. Green Bay stinks the field goal in. They almost blocked it again, though. They almost did. I don't know, man. I I think they got
2: a, the refs might have given gave the Packers one there too because that it didn't look like they were offsides.
0: Not on that play, but I think there was enough that probably evened it out. Like I don't think that was a a swing per se in the ref perspective. No, I just don't. They. I, it was time perfect. They hit it right. No, I one hundred percent agree with that. I mean, it, Green Bay got a hell of a break there. Um, I, the the thing that really sucks with that is there's not a good camera angle for that. Yeah. For you know kicks in general. For kicks in general, so you really have to kind of base it on just what the line judge sees. And there's no way there's no way for us to know what he saw. Right. Unless you were at the game and having the same angle and odds are you're not going to say a damn word about it. I did not say shit. But aside from, aside from that, I mean, like I said, Pittsburgh looked awful, but as a whole, Green Bay, once again, I mean, the defenses look better and better again. Even with mm-hmm. the offense struggling, I mean, you saw um, some moments where, mm-hmm. you know, Randall Cobb matter, mattered, which exactly when he came back, I think Ramsey called it, that he'd have at least one game like he did.
2: Well, and and Randall Cobb's good for what he did on Sunday is what Randall Cobb's been good at in his career. Mm -hmm. is just kind of getting open underneath when you need someone to be open. And we even said it last year a, a few times towards playoff, into the playoffs, where we're like, you know, we're kind of missing that Randall Cobb underneath guy
0: who just finds a way to get open. And Alan Lazard's played that role so much. I really think Alan Lazard's probably struggling the most because of it. Right. Because of Randall Cobb's presence. But he's also had such a big role blocking. (coughs) I mean, I fully expected Alan Lazard to have a big game this last week. I think he had one catch. Yeah.
2: And even Bob Tonian, he's been pretty quiet this year too. I mean, so some of those... Passes. I think those are again are going towards Randall Cobb and even MVS has had some decent catches now, decent receptions, I guess it's uh, I I think Justin was kind of agreeing. I don't necessarily know how good this defense really is. I think I don't they, think it's very good
0: at all. I, yeah, I would. I think that they've played some. They had two very good situations. I mean, they had a very or really three. Where they pitched a shutout in the second half of the Detroit game. Right. In kind of a benefactor of circumstance where Jared Goff... Kind of had a... Deer in the headlights look on Monday Night Football. You have a game against Jimmy G where... I mean, a great overall showing last week. Not from the defense per se, but just a good team win. I know Ramsey and I talked about that at length last week. But then just you look at this week and... I mean, is it a Is it a? I mean, you saw some plays where it's a benefit of, you know, the coverage that they were playing downfield, where it's making Ben have to try to put a ball in a situation that's not there. But you also just saw Ben miss on a lot of throws that they got burned on, and got lucky that that Ben had to overthrow it. The weak point that we've
2: had has been that second defensive back, Eric Stokes has shown flashes of being. I, I, you know, I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of that pick at draft time, and I can admit when I'm wrong. I think that he's going to be a decent NFL defensive back. I really do. He, he's shown some flashes of being in the right spot at the right time, and he's shown flashes
0: of being athletic. So Eric Stokes, for what it's worth, has been one of, in the la- especially this last week, but since he became a starter, has been one of the higher-ranked defensive rookies in all football. And that's—I would believe that he's
2: had—he's shown flashes of being competent, and I wasn't necessarily sure what he was going to look like. However, I—that go- second defensive
0: back spot has been the weak point of the team. Though. So actually, I want to—I want to present this stat because I saw this here earlier, and I—I'm I, glad I found it again. Um, so our—you know—all eyes today, um, this morning <laughs> were on the possibilities to find Gilmore coming to Green Bay. Uh, they they would have had to have him be released. We can talk about that here in just a moment. But um, for all intents and purposes, so Eric Stokes has been the eleventh most targeted cornerback all season. He's been targeted twenty five times. On those targets, he's only allowed eight point four yards per completion, four point four yards per target. He's forced three incompletions, has six stops in coverage, and now the interception, which ranks third most. Um, or the six stops in coverage, which I don't know how exactly how that's considered a stat, but that's the third most among active cornerbacks in all of football right now. So he's really answered the bell. From when he's played, he's better probably as a two. I wouldn't want him to be the number one, but like he might be this week. And I,
2: I mean, I guess that's kind of more so getting that he has gotten burned though. As a rookie, he's been out of place a handful of times now, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. And it, it, honestly, if. Our weak point on the defense is that second or third defensive back. I think that defense is going to be okay. I really do. I don't think that's. Mm. I think we can live with that, but I don't know. We'll see how they match up when we start, even this weekend with what Joe Burrow is on the.
1: Yeah, you know, Packers
2: Bengals, and it's going to be interesting to see what Joe Burrow does. I guess.
1: So I think. I think. I think. I am sorry. I don't I I want to interrupt just because I, I've got such a hot take here. I want us to really think about where we would be right now with with without Eric Stokes in in, in the echelons of how important that pick was for the team. But right now, if 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 King is injured and now Jair is injured, we're going in to a, a week of football with who as our starting cornerbacks? Uh, it'd be Shannon Sullivan
0: and I couldn't even tell you who the opposite corner would be.
1: Maybe the guy they picked up today in Rasul Douglas. Maybe or 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 uh, Shamar Jean Charles or uh, who's the guy they traded for from from the Giants?
0: Uh, Isaac Yedem.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we'd be in pretty big trouble on that fact. My biggest problem, as over the last couple of years, has always been the inside linebacker position. We're not getting the play. Now, we're, we're going to address that topic here in a little bit. But my biggest, my biggest fear right now is we cannot generate a pass rush with four of our guys getting home. It's just not a thing right now. We have to either bring a fifth or sixth guy to really generate pressure on the quarterback. And that is bothersome. We don't have depth. That is quality behind Preston Smith and and Rashawn Gary. And, And really, if we really think about it, the book is out on Rashawn Gary yet. There's nothing, no evidence to us that has said that he's a top-tier pass rusher in the NFL. Um, he's getting his first real shot at being a starter this year. Preston Smith is coming off on a down year. Uh, I love that the Packers are going out and making moves or, or middling themselves into moves, but I think we're, we're risking by not... By not going after one of the veterans that are on the free agent market that could really give us a good voice in the locker room on that defense and somebody to to really take the pressure off of those two because if we if we lose one of those two guys, we are in big serious trouble. So, who just before
0: we get into the next thing here, who would you who were you talking about here as a free agent?
1: Well, you've got. Olivier Vernon, who I think would be a good third guy, um, just just you know he he's got experience. Um, I think one year he led the league in sacks, didn't he? I'd have
0: to Do look at that. You know that, that offhand? I'd have to look at that, but uh, he, he, he go was ahead.
1: a top tier. I think I think when he came, he signed with the Giants. He he came off of a year where he was either top three in sacks or led the league in sacks. He's a guy that can continuously put pressure. I think he's a fit in the three, four defense. And and at this stage now he's coming off an Achilles, which is a long lasting, tough um, injury. But I think he's a guy that could come in 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 service as as the third guy um, to really, to really, and there's a couple of uh, other nice, nice named veterans. that that could really help the Packers at, at that outside linebacker spot right now.
0: All right, fair enough. So while we're talking about transactions, I mean, so the, the big news of the day, and I'm kind of glad that we did end up having to wait till today to record, uh, was Stephon Gilmore and now uh, Jalen Smith. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, news broke this morning that the Patriots were going to release him. Um, never ended up actually hitting the open market, which is really disappointing because all signs pointed to him. Coming to Green Bay, a trade financially would have been for all, it would have been stupid. I mean, the point of the salary cap where they are, so the Packers have, what, 7.1 in available cap. Some of them. Um, a trade for Gilmore would have cost them 5.4. So you're putting two-thirds of your salary cap available into one player who, if you trade for him, would have not been able to play this week, and I don't believe he would have been able to play next week either. Oh, he's still week on the seven packers. yep yeah however
2: though that seven million dollars in cap space doesn't overly matter till the offseason as as the packers sit today i don't it, really s- it
1: does though it does though i'm gonna stop you right there it does though because now you're talking about your banking that you're gonna make it all the way to week 17 and through the postseason without having to sign anybody
2: well, that doesn't take, it still leaves you with what, $3 million in cap? It'd be 2.4, 2.5. Sure, but that's all you would need. You're not going to need much more than that. And for what it's worth going past the trade deadline, traditionally speaking, the Packers don't necessarily add a whole lot. You know last year they did after that, but for the most part, the Packers aren't making moves after week five or six anyways. I mean, it's not, and I, like I was saying, I think part of our issue on the team is that, I, and even the Eric Soaks thing, I think just inexperienced at that second defensive back. I'd feel a lot better with Stefan Gilmore and Jair Alexander out there versus Jair and insert whoever you want your second one to be right now.
0: So I I will just say there's two stats I wanted to bring up because I had these both pulled up too. Um, Just A, to talk about the importance of Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes, or Kevin (coughs) King has a lot more yards than Eric Stokes this season. This coming from uh, Dayer Carragher on Twitter. King has been targeted six times, and Stokes has been targeted 25 times. So those big plays, and really a lot of that came against uh, New Orleans, but still. Uh, really point to the inefficiency that is Kevin King. So I think this kind of does kind of point back to something we've talked about a lot at this show. I'm not going to really make go further here. Why in the hell do you sign Kevin King again for $6 million? Whatever. Um, but the other thing, just to kind of compare apples to oranges, if you look at Eric Stokes versus Stefan Gilmore in their last X amount of games um, – Stephon Gilmore's last 13 games that he's played, which, granted, there has been injury and concern. Five passes defended, one interception. Uh, Eric Stokes in four games, six passes defended, one interception. Now, that's a lot. That that's, that's just a stat to make you feel better about Eric Stokes. And not getting Stephon Gilmore, I would probably agree with you that you'd rather have him than not. But you do have a very solid young corner thus far. Um, now, to kind of shift gears and talk about the guy that they – have agreed to in principle it's kind of the nba term
1: that wait 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 wait. can i can can i just stop you for one second eric i I know where you're going with this and before we leave the cornerback talk, we have to address this for our fans because our some of our our fans are going to be like well why didn't we just release kevin king if we're worried about money why didn't we just release kevin king for his six million dollars and then just trade for for Stefan Gilmore, and, and pick up his his seven million dollars. Right, uh, some of our fans will will think that way. It does not work like that. It is important to remember. Even if the Packers were to release him, they would they would still be on the hook for six million dollars against our salary cap for the rest of the year. It, you don't get rid of it. Right, and 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 find another team right now. That's gonna trade even a seventh round pick for Kevin King in his six million dollar contract. So just for our fans to understand that that part of it, because it's not as easy as just releasing Kevin King and picking up Stefan Gilmore. Because the money situation is kind of the same. It's not. It's not it's not that easy.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll even take that step further. It's just even the the trade perspective that you see in football is a lot different than probably any other sport Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you'll see you, you don't, you very rarely see trade player for player. So it'd be, so it'd be really easy because, you know, you look at the price tag that Carolina, the Carolina Panthers ended up trading for uh, Gilmore, which ended up being a sixth round draft pick. And I'm not even sure if it was this year's draft. It might've been 2023. I don't, I'd have to be find the number on that, but it is. You're absolutely right. Thank you. Um, so the, the easy thing to look at is, okay, well, why wouldn't you just pick, you know, you, you trade Kevin King in that six round pick. Well, again, that's just not how football trades work as much as I wish it would. Cause I would love nothing more to see Kevin King get booted out of green Bay and, and a rocket ship to hit on his ass to get him anywhere else except green Bay. It's just not the reality situation. I mean, you look at. A couple years back, when they traded, when the Packers traded like Ty Montgomery for like a 7th-round a pick or a 6th-round pick, they traded Haha Clinton-Dix for like a 6th-round pick. I mean, the talk around the league was just how, about how versatile those guys were. Kevin King has far less value at this point than either of those two guys did at the time. And Haha Clinton-Dix isn't even in the league right now. And Ty Montgomery has played, I think, on three or four teams since then. So... And just to piggyback off both of those real quick, even
2: if you did want to trade Kevin King, I believe the Packers would still be on the hook for part of his salary cap, regardless of. They'd
0: have what they paid for him thus far.
2: Right. Yeah. So, and I his was all up front, right?
0: A lot
1: his, of it was. His yeah. was. Yeah, Gary, I think it was three and three.
2: So they still would have, even if they would have traded him out, it's they still would have been on the cap for more than what cap space they have left to bring in on Gilmore.
0: Which does suck because I mean I I was I've been pointing to Stephon Gilmore as a guy they should have targeted from last off season because he's been off-season. available. That's the other thing that he's been. I mean the fact that he's even on the pup list is contra- is a little controversial because I remember at the start of training camp when they placed him on that immediately. So he didn't get hurt and hurt any sort of trade value that he could have. They asked him straight up, I was like, oh, are you hurt? Or like, are you going, you know, are you available? He says, I could be. Like, are you good to play? He said, I could be. And that really points to that being just New England trying to stash him and either hope that they could get some contract worked out or hope they could find a trade partner. So the idea of having to sit there and and trade for a guy that you're not gonna have access to for two weeks, that you really don't have the financial room for. I get why they didn't. You know, I would have loved to see him hit the, that free agency market. Like, they really, everyone thought they were going to. I mean, New England kind of baited the whole world in thinking that he was going to hit the market. And Gilmore really made some moves that really indicated Green Bay. I mean, he was on record as saying that. He started following Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams on Instagram and Sherman Williams and talking to these guys. I mean... It really seemed like Green Bay was going to be the home for him, and then you just never hit the market. And that it is what it is. Um, but as as I was mentioning here before, uh, Justin brought up the the money and the trade aspect of it. The Packers did make a pretty sizable move for depth purpose, and and a guy who is a former pro baller in uh, Jalen Smith. And Jalen Smith, not having his best year or year and a, really year and a half, I guess at this point in Dallas, but it's still a former pro bowler mm-hmm. who gives depth at that position. And I mean, you saw kind of this resurrection here and maybe it's just the athlete that he is, but you saw really saw this resurrection with uh, Deandre Campbell that I don't think it's impossible to think that that would happen with Jalen Smith either.
1: I, I totally I like the, the, the move Um, you're talking about, see this, this is the difference between what I like about the move. You're talking about a guy that's been in the league four years. Uh, This was a shocker of a move um, for some only be the only reason that it happens um, is because he's due. He was due $7.2 million for the rest of the year. And then $9 million next year. Um, He's a pro baller. He's, he's been in the league for four years, guys, four years. He, he's 26 years old. This guy has a lot of good mileage left on him and a lot, a lot of good mileage that has been proven already that he could be a top tier guy. I love this as the, a, a kind of, let's see if he is that guy. Um, let, let's sign up for the rest of the year and see if we can work something out for, for however long I, they haven't came out with any of the contract talk yet. Am I correct
0: in that, Eric? That is correct. So there's not an official deal in place. Uh, the latest news came from Ian Rappaport about four hours ago with some uh, some insight with Domovsky adding in, two. So Ian Rappaport was saying that he's telling teams that this is the you know, where he intends to go, this is where he wants to be, um, and that they just have to f- kind of finalize the, the ones and twos of it. Um, and then Demotsky adding in around that same time, the Packers are attempting to finalize the deal. Teams are still courting him, but they are being told that while he's still entertaining offers, um, he doesn't have an official decision that Green Bay is his favorite place and that's where he wants to be. Mostly citing working with Coach LaFleur when Coach LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, was at Notre Dame with Jalen Smith.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, I think it's an exciting it's an exciting signing um, and and it might prompt us to to try something new uh, with one of our inside linebackers to maybe see if we can create some depth and help that the outside linebacker spot I you know and this is just me this isn't a, a thing that could actually happen but a guy that this signing could really help spark a career. Would be uh, to see if Oren Burks could could maybe potentially become a, a speed rusher on the outside for for your three four defense. This, to me, when this when this was talked about, I thought, man, that would be and to give it a look. Uh, this really spells what what uh, Oren Burks's final destination is. He, he's probably uh, a goner. Um, because of his draft status and in his contract and how much you're probably paying him as a third round uh, pick. Um, So he's a guy that could be moved. He, you know, uh, incited at a different spot to see if he can resurrect his career. So that, that was just one thought I had, but the signing of Jalen Smith was, is a, is a good one for the Packers and something that we, as Packer fans in on our podcast now for our 43rd episode, have asked for the Packers to address. And today, boys, they're finally addressing it. Only oh, it took 43 weeks. And Aaron Rodgers
2: demanding uh say in the organization. Just saying. Do you think do you think they asked Aaron? I think Aaron's on the way out, to be honest. Did you guys hear what he was talking about on Pat McAfee? I did not see his interview from yesterday, but he I, was. I really don't think he is personally. Praising Mike Tomlin. Why would he do that out of just nowhere? See ya. Like why why Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that? Doesn't go on and just praise other coaches. He's never done that in the past. So why all of a sudden is he just going on there
1: and praising Mike Tomlin for yeah, I I don't. I think that's a great. I think it's a great landing spot for him. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. Don't you? I I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's
2: going to Green Bay next year. I truly do. If he's playing football, I would agree. I think he's playing football. I think he's going to end up back in Green Bay next year. However, it's just convenient.
0: That's all I'm saying. Well, let's let's take it for what it's worth though. Too. Rogers and Tomlin do go back. To the at least the very, you know, the very least 2010, you know, the Super Bowl. Tomlin is a guy that Rodgers has long, you know, Rod, I, I will disagree. Rodgers does have praise for other coaches out there. Like, if you listen to him talk, uh, well, I'm trying I I can't think of one off the top of my head. I know that he has been vocal talking about other guys in the league. Um, obviously, he talks about Andy Reid a lot. Yeah, but we know he's not going to Kansas City. We know he's not, sure. It's just, it's, I'm, it's convenient, don't get I'm me wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's, a talking con- it's a
2: convenience thing. And I think that, like Justin said, can you think of a better place for him to land? He's not going to, if Aaron Rodgers gets moved, the Packers are going to trade him. Which therefore means they're not going to trade him in the NFC. So sure. he's going to go to the AFC. Right. And how many teams in the AFC are in need of a quarterback and are of a winning caliber team right now? I can think of Miami? Th- Miami, Pittsburgh, and Denver, Indianapolis, Denver, Indy, maybe. So, I mean, there's four, four locations and he's praising the head coach of one of them. I mean,
0: the only counter to that, and this is, I mean, this is just kind of looking at the, the nature of the interview he was doing. I, like I said, they have a pretty good relationship, which was evident with the they're trying to do the twelve men thing, and and the little kind of coy look they both shared, but just the simple fact. I mean, you look at the interview he's on, is with Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee has Pittsburgh roots. Mike, you know, Mike McCarthy had Pittsburgh roots. You know, they had a long relationship. And then you also look at the other one of the people on Pat McAfee's show is a big uh, Steelers fan. That's Tone Diggs. So. Might be a softball question. Like I said, I didn't listen to the interview, so I'd have to listen to it and see if it came unprompted or if it's Pat kind of trying to spark something or just kind of having, you know, how their interviews go. But I'd say it's a lot of do Eh. about nothing right now. I, I don't
2: think that you can just dismiss it, though, as nothing because I don't think Aaron's too smart to do that without having some sort of motive to do it.
1: Aaron I, Aaron I, doesn't just do stuff to do it. I kind of I kind of agree with Eric because Eric is, is, is what Eric is saying it has nothing to do with the here and the now. It might have something to do with the future and we could deal with that in the future, but the here and the now and where the Packers are and what the Packers are trying to do, it really has nothing to do. It's not like the Packers are going to trade Aaron Rodgers in weeks before the week what is it six trade deadline like that's you know we're just not going to do that so for the here and the now all this stuff is going to come up again and we all know that and for the here and the now it's just not relevant really well safe money is and, i don't think it all does come up though
2: i think honestly save if you're betting right now i'd probably say aaron's an agreement next
0: year if he's playing, which, I mean, there's really nothing saying he won't, but aside from the fact that he was 50-50 this off season, Right. So depending on the results of how this season plays out, maybe if they get a Super Bowl, he's done. Maybe if they don't, he's done. You know, you really don't know. And and I think in a lot of ways, if you listen to Aaron talk, I mean, he really just, with how vocal he was when he came back to town, because I don't want to say how vocal he was this off offseason, because he, he was quiet. There's a lot of people saying they were talking on his behalf that we'll never know if they were or not. We can say things like, oh, you know, they don't just get that information. There's smoke, there's fire. But at the same time, Aaron's not one to leak things either. Like you said, he's very cerebral. So regardless, I would say that you look at the here and the now, like Justin said, and as I was kind of mentioning – The relationship with the front office has not been better than it is now in years. I mean, he's been very open about that. The relationship with the coaching staff is at an all-time high. I mean, him and Matt LaFleur get along great. He's kind of even trolling people with that relationship with how well that's going. So I don't have a really concern there either. Um, And then he loves his teammates and the guys he plays with in that locker room. Specifically, you know, David Bakhtiari. He has Cobb back. For now, they have Devonte Adams, but he's got young guys like MVS. He's got guys that he's still buddy-buddy with on this team. Jones, Tunyon, you name it. There's a lot to be you know, kind of pointing to that, like you said, safe money probably isn't. If he's playing next year, he's in Green Bay. I was just more
2: saying it's just interesting that that's what – and it makes sense. Like, if that was the case, it makes sense, right? Great defense, offensive weapons – um, the running back out there from Alabama, he's uh naja naja Harris, Harris, is uh, I think is gonna be something decent. And they're gonna be a Pittsburgh's gonna be a bottom ten team, so they're gonna have a first round a high first round pick
1: that you'd probably be able to keep. They, they gotta fix that old line though. They got a lot lot of work to do with that old line. But how much of that old line and I guess this is
2: obviously none of us are Pittsburgh fans, but how much of that old line is Ben Roethlisberger not being able to move? It's pretty easy to, I, I would say a lot, I would put a or good not percentage. a whole lot.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would counter that though. Just up until <coughs> they really got Najee Harris in the passing game, he hasn't really been a factor either. So I would argue that it's it is still oh, very you got problematic. Well, I, I would
2: say the offensive line issues could be solved if you were to get Aaron Rodgers. Right. So we're just talking hypothetical now, and like I, I don't think it's gonna happen. But if you hypothetically speaking, if Aaron Rodgers gets there, the offensive line situation will somewhat solve itself. Cause again, like I said, I think you're probably gonna have a pretty high first round draft pick that you would probably be able to keep at that point. So you can probably draft offensive lineman. If Aaron Rodgers is in Pittsburgh, you could probably sign one. And Aaron Rodgers inherently is gonna make your offensive line better because he can move the or he can get the ball out as fast as he does. So some of those offensive line issues that Pittsburgh has right now, I don't know if that's an issue of Aaron Rodgers is there.
0: Yeah, definitely. So just to kind of wrap up here, uh, final thoughts on the Packers, A, biggest takeaways from this last week, and B, biggest thing you have to see out of the Week 5 matchup against Cincinnati Rams you could start? Um, the I think it goes back to the San Francisco game is
2: that they've looked good against talented teams. And not that the Lions aren't a talented team, but the Lions aren't the same caliber of team as San Francisco or Pittsburgh, for that matter. And you saw Green Bay handle business against teams that they could have overlooked a little bit, and that game might be a little closer. Like you said, really that game was Pittsburgh got a garbage touchdown with what was it, like four minutes left, something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So that game wasn't even as close as it looked, and there was never any doubt. And that's, it's been kind of two weeks in a row now where it's kind of like, oh, there's no doubt there. So I just want to continue to see that keep happening of just taking care of business against teams you should beat. And, you know, like the New Orleans game, and we all, everyone kind of freaked out, and then, everyone it looks a lot better now than what it did four weeks ago five weeks ago um i would say cincinnati i've watched them play twice now and cincinnati is a decent team so Mm -hmm. you can't overlook cincinnati joe burrow is a really good quarterback and i you know wasn't a huge joe burrow fan of him coming out either but he's joe burrow's he's interesting to watch so just take care of business control, Burrow. Don't get burned. Packers, three-point favorite, Ramsey. Um in Cincinnati. Give me Yeah.
1: Give me a Green Bay. Justin? Yeah, you know what I really want to see, and I think is really um, I, I guess some of our local opponents have really, really hammered this home on the on the national on the national level, this really hasn't been, been smashed, but I, I just want to see our offensive line continue to play great. Uh, it, it, it has been a thing to watch the, the job that Stenovich is doing our offensive line coach uh, is certainly going to, to garner him in, in the prospects of, of offensive coordinator to head coaching positions next year. Um, When you look at the guys that we have playing on the offensive line and how clean A-Rod has been against the defensive fronts that he has. I know we talked earlier about the Buccaneers uh, front seven. Um, We we played probably two of the other five top top guys or top defenses, uh, top front sevens in the league, in in San Francisco and in uh, Pittsburgh, and they have just done a fantastic job uh, to continue to do that, to allow, to get us to the second half of the season with a fresh David Bakhtiari and a fresh Elton Jenkins, maybe two of the 10 best offensive linemen in the league. If we do that, it could be a special run. So if, if we continue to play this well on the offensive line, it, it it's only going to help us deeper down the road.
0: Packers minus
1: three over the Bengals. Oh, give me the
0: Packers by 10. All right. I'm just going to finish off mine. Uh, so biggest takeaway from Steelers game, like I said, just execution. You know, Justin talked about it best. I mean, that that patchwork offensive line really kind of – Hitting their stride between Josh Myers and John Runyon, especially that that center guard combination, you really can't talk about enough right now. That um, it, it's not getting the national love that it should be, considering where this team was, especially how bad they looked in Week One against the Saints' defense. But you look at the growth of that that unit as a whole has had um, and continue to do so. I mean, they for the most part they held Bosa in check, they held T.J. Watt in check. Um, Against Pittsburgh and Green, he was coming off an injury, but still. Um, so look for that to happen again this week. I mean, I, this week, I, you know, I'm gonna kind of jump the gun and say Packers cover that point spread pretty easily. Um, I would expect that to be quite a bit more. And usually, you have the kind of the traditional home team gets three points, so it's really kind of a six point spread. Right. Um, but I, I'd even buy the, you know, I'd even be on them to take cover that six points. I mean. Cincinnati's not necessarily the rollover team that you thought maybe they were coming into the season. But they played really well, uh, and they played really well. But Green Bay, I think, is just at a different level as a whole. Offensively, I look for Devonta Adams to get a lot more involved. I think Alan Lazard kind of breaks out finally this week, too, probably puts a touchdown or puts ball in the end zone this week. Um, and the defense, I think, as long as they don't get torched by Joe Burrow going to Jamar Chase long, I'd I, I like to see, you know, hopefully... You know, I think Jair Alexander's probably out this week, but uh, see what kind of patchwork defense that they can put together. Hopefully, put Eric Stokes in position to be successful, and like I said, Green Bay by with points all day. So we wrap it up with what we always wrap it up with: what we are what we are rooting for this coming week. Um, I'll kind of lead this off because I don't think it's much of a a shocker that I'm going to probably pick the Brewers here. Playoff baseball, my favorite time of the year. Uh, be watching all that I can and then some. And obviously, the Packers this weekend here, too. But uh, Gimme Brewers baseball, and then the Roe will probably a little bit on Sunday, too. Ramsey? The only sporting event that matters this week
2: is Fury Wilder 3 on Saturday night. Las Vegas for the world heavyweight title. Um, Which one? Which one of the four? The WBC is up, I believe.
1: Well, Tyson Fury that's has my problem. That's my problem with boxing. Which one of the four? Well, Fury has three of know. the four.
2: Fury right. has. The, again. The fourth one is held by the guy who was going to fight, but then uh, Deontay Wilder threw a bitch fit and was going to sue him. So, Fury was going to go collect the fourth. So, um. yeah, anyways, it's probably going to be the biggest fight of the year. So, It'll be out of my house. You guys know where I live. Stop on over. I will be there.
1: <laughs> Justin, what are you rooting for? Oh, yeah. Um, You know, I, I've got a couple things to root for. You know, I'm uh, first and foremost rooting for the uh, the Badgers to kind of kindly get it back on track. They've got a great opportunity, uh, I guess, our former head coach, Brett Bielema, this week to – to uh figure it out, get it back on track. How sweet a win would be to to not only win but to just stomp their asses in the ground and and kind of show everybody who they are and you know, who they should be. Um 10 points spread, Brewers, what do you feel about that? Was that? 10 point spread
0: for Badgers in that game. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh I I think the Badgers their defense is just special you know, and if they can get a little bit of a run game on offense and, and serviceable quarterback play or serviceable offensive line play, uh, I think there are three touchdown winner in this game, to be honest with you, All I right. really do. Um, you know, obviously the, uh, the brewers and then last, um, but not least my, uh, my, my beloved Jilla tiger football team homecoming week. um, um, you know try to get a win and end and a, and a long streak um, and see see if we can turn it around. I'm excited about it and the guys have worked hard so I'd love to reward them with a win. So.
0: All right, very good stuff. That is episode 43 we're in the books. Eric Ramsey. Justin, you're home for Wisconsin Sports best ter- show based on a tattoo we're out pay attention to our facebook pages we always have stuff kind of going on there about the show and all the stuff happening wisconsin sports you heard it episode 43 share it with a friend tell a friend and that's all we got we are out see ya
1: bye salut